Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, what are we listening to, Pat? Oh, you are in for such a treat. Um, and particularly if this is your first time listening to Opera this for Everyone. This is my first listen. Yeah. <laughs> Cold listen. Cold listen, Pat. Your favorite when I have absolutely no clue what's going on. Well, you're going to be amazed that you haven't listened to this. It's Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi. Mm-hmm. Premiered middle of the 19th century, 1853 in Rome. 1853 in Rome. Okay. So this is from the early part of Verdi's middle period. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I can feel myself getting confused already. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I say a lot of stuff you don't actually have to know or remember. But this comes shortly after Rigoletto, which was premiered in 1851. Rigoletto, I think, might have been one of the earliest operas I ever saw. And I don't think just... I've ever seen Rigoletto. Oh, it's it's wonderful. I love um, Verdi, though. What else did Verdi do? Oh, what else did Verdi Well, we, list, we did... Um, Otello. Otello, right. On mm-hmm. this, and, and um, we did that, and Falstaff. Those are the, the two operas of his later period. He doesn't write a lot of operas for many years, and those are his two finals. But during this period, he writes Rigoletto, Trovatore, Traviata, right. um, Un Ballo in, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Let me see. A masked ball is the, the, masked is the ball. Tra- yeah. And mas- uh, maschera. There we go. Un Ballo and maschera. Don Carlos, Aida. Oh, Don Carlos. Yeah, so... And Aida. Aida was the first opera I ever saw at the Met, and it was bonkers. Yeah, it's a a lush There were horses. I mean, it was enormous. The cast must have been, like, literally 200 people. So so Verdi is the man for quite a while. He is just... He's a baller. He's the king of opera for his period uh, for quite a long time. I mean, it's interesting. You know, people like Wagner will come around and criticize the tradition that he represents, and Wagner will um, work on his own tradition, but that's for another day. Right now, we just get to enjoy the lush sounds of this beautiful Verdi opera. Everything is tuneful. There's none of the, what we might think of more classic recitative Mm -hmm. in the opera. There's plenty of storytelling that goes on. Everything is sung. Everything's musical. But to my ear, anyway, it's very melodic and it's just lush and beautiful and different kinds of songs. I think we're going to have a hard time choosing which ones we play on this episode of Opera okay. for Everyone. So this I'll is, leave that to you. Thanks. Because <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. So. That's fine. I'll, I mean, you can't go wrong, so I, I'm not too worried about it. So it's Il Trovatore, which is Italian for the troubadour. Trovatore. Troubadour. Instant quiz. Do you know what a troubadour is? A wandering singer. Yes, it's interesting. It is It is a, a someone who sings and serenades. And the opera itself is set in 1409 during a period of civil war in Spain. Oh. It's set in 1409, which uh, I won't even make you guess. This is late medieval period. And the height of the troubadours is a little bit earlier than this period. It's the songs of knights and courtly love and chivalry and and this period of time. But the troubadours are these great romantic figures. Oftentimes, the troubadours, or I should say the better known troubadours, are actually noblemen, interestingly. Really? Yeah. Eleanor of Aquitaine, that great queen of England... France. Her father was probably the most famous troubadour of all time, Duke William the Ninth of Aquitaine. Where's Aquitaine? 
Aquitaine is in France. In France, okay. Not super far from Spain. If you ever want to read a great history of a strong woman of the medieval period, Eleanor of Aquitaine. I'll make a note of that. She's she's your gal. No, she's pretty cool. But we're not talking about her. We're talking about troubadours. And, you know, and the troubadour thing is one of the characters is the troubadour. Mm -hmm. But he's also Manrico, our tenor, our lead male. Of course. Of course. And he's in love with the soprano. Of course. <laughs> and things don't go smoothly. Of course. <laughs> but let's let's go ahead and introduce the setting. Let's listen to a song that tells us kind of the backstory of what's going on. Let's listen to the song first, and then I'll fill you in on the backstory. And this is a song whose title in English translates as, or the two pieces of it translates, he was the happy father of two children. There stood a gypsy. Di due figli vivea padre beato. How's that? That's good. Nope, and there stood bad. a gypsy. Abiete zingara. Wow, Zingara is gypsy in Italian. Okay, well, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are listening to Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi.
Listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we're listening to Il Trovatore. The Troubadour. By Giuseppe Verde. That's right. And what have we just heard, Pat? Bring us up to speed. <laughs> well, you have heard, just setting the stage of what's going on here. This is the captain of the guard of the Count de Luna. His name is Ferrando. Mm-hmm. He's a bass. And he's the man that we hear, we, you might have heard under our introduction when we were chatting earlier. And he's just saying, everyone, on your toes, be alert. The Count's kind of in a bad mood. <laughs> the Count is quick to anger. Things are not going his way. He's jealous of this rival that he has for the affections of his beloved and, mm. uh, you know, you don't want to, like, get in his way when he's in this mood. Mm-hmm. And all the men, they have a big male chorus in this production who pop up in different areas. But it, in this scene, the rest of the soldiers of this faction of this civil war I referred to, it's a civil war where they're contesting who's going to be the next leader. Okay. So we're in 1409 in Spain. Yeah. And there's a civil war. And Ferrando is the captain of the guard. Of the Count de Luna. Of the Count de Luna. And is the Count de Luna a good guy or a bad guy? Well, life is not always that clear, is it? <laughs> no, there are shades of gray. No, in the story, he's a bad guy. He's a baritone, so I assumed he was a bad guy. <laughs> he's, um, you know, again, if you've, if you've listened to our show before or watched other operas, he reminds me a bit of Scarpia. <gasps> Scarpia is a real bad guy. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a bad guy. Scarpia was like a psychopath, wasn't he? Um, yeah, probably. Yes, that's, and that was in Otello. Yes, I maybe he's probably doesn't. Qu- no, no, not Otello. That's Tosca. You're you're thinking of Iago. Oh, Iago is a total psychopath. Yeah, I think I think I mean you know once they're bad they're bad, but I think he's probably not quite as bad as Scarpia. Okay. We yeah, but he's but he's in that. Vain. Okay, so that's the Count. That's the Count de Luna who we haven't met yet. Okay. So this is his captain of the guard, Ferrando, and the men who are gathered around Ferrando say, we want to hear the story. Tell us the story. <laughs> and Ferrando tells them the story. And he said, the good Count de Luna, the, this is in fact the current Count's father, was the happy father of two children. 
there was a faithful nurse, you know, a, a nursemaid, mm-hmm. who was watching uh, the youngest child sleeping, and she was near his cradle. And she woke up in the morning and was horrified. Next to the cradle, she found a gypsy. <gasps> and the gypsy was there, and he describes her as swarthy, haggard, withered, wearing the symbols of a sorceress, hovering over the boy with a sullen face, her eye casting grim and bloody glances. So that's creepy. Yeah, let's take a moment. I'm just get a little sidebar here. Mm-hmm. Gypsies in European culture occupy a particular place. Now, we may think of gypsies from Carmen, say, right. the opera Carmen, where she's strong-willed, independent, knows her own mind, is happy to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. But in sort of more classic power structures, nobility, the good people of the realm, gypsies were outsiders. Yeah. They were the other. They were frightening. Mm-hmm. They were seen as a threat. And even when the gypsies weren't doing anything they shouldn't have been doing. They were scary. They were scary. And so her presence is seen as something deeply threatening. And Ferrando knows that everyone is going to dislike the gypsy, and he's very free to describe her in these negative terms. Mm -hmm. At any rate, she's there, and they chased her away, and and she's, but I just wanted to tell the child's horoscope. I just wanted good wishes for the child. Mm-hmm. But they don't believe her. And what happens is the child becomes ill. I mean, not an uncommon occurrence in young childhood in the 14- in the 1400s. Yeah. I mean, it's not an uncommon, uncommon occurrence now. We just have medicine that can deal with things. Right. But the child sickens and dies. And everyone... Reflects the back and says, well, it's the gypsy. She, she put a curse on him. or Right. So she is blamed for this child's death. And she's not just blamed. She's held responsible and she's executed. Oh, so they found her. It wasn't like she was the gypsy that then went on traveling and they couldn't find no, her. They, she li- was... they live in a mountain encampment not okay. super far away. They found her. She's executed and she's executed by the the mode meant to deter and she's tied to a stake and burned. Yikes. And I think I'm going to stop there. There's more to that story, but I have to wait to tell it when we get another character. But at the same time, the other boy, remember there were two children? The older boy. Disappears. So the younger one dies because he was cast a spell on by a gypsy and the older one Well, the younger one dies because he gets a fever and he doesn't survive. But in the story... The people believe that it was because of a spell. That's right. And so the other child disappears at this time. And when they're looking at the area where the the remains, the charred remains of the executed gypsy woman are, they find a child's skeleton. Yikes. So it's a pretty dark story. But that's a dark story. And the, the soldiers all join in. Oh, that wicked woman. It's disgraceful. She and the gypsies, they fill us with hatred and horror. And then they then they say, but the father, what about the father? And Ferrando tells them, well, his remaining days were sad and few, but he had a vague premonition in his heart that, in fact, the disappeared boy would return, was not dead. 
He's mm. like, I'm not sure that that skeleton, that child's skeleton is my son. I feel in my heart that he's still alive. And so he asked the present Count de Luna, the, the one who's in the story now, I guess who's not, it's not father, son. He made this man swear that he would, no, he's the, he must be the older brother. He must be older. I'm sorry. I'm just piecing this together right now because those two children, we know that they disappeared. So he must be there an might have older been three son. Children. Yeah. He must've been like not an infant because he swears that he would continue to find his brother. Uh, okay. So he, there were, he promises his father. There were three sons. One died. One disappeared. The oldest one is, is made to promise his father you know, not to give up. Okay. It doesn't really consume this guy's life, but it's always a present in his mind. And Ferrando says, you know, in the, the, when the soldiers are like, this is unbelievable, this wicked, wicked woman. This wicked woman, by the way, that we're referring to now is not the one they've burned at the stake. It's the daughter of the one that they've burned at the stake. And that's Zingara. No. Azucena. That's Azucena. Ah, uh, right. Zingara is the Italian word for gypsy. That's right. Okay. All right. So of the characters who will show up, Azucena shows up in the opera. She's one of our main characters. She's one of our four main characters. She is the daughter of the burned at the stake gypsy woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the soldiers say, would you be able to recognize this terrible woman? You know, so this daughter of this executed witch. Mm -hmm. And Ferrando says, oh, yes, of course. I, she's seared in my mind, I, I could recognize her, even though it's so many years have gone by. So there we have that. In fact, he says to them, it is commonly believed that the wicked gypsy's daughter is alive and that she shows herself to others in various forms when the night sky is black, going back to that belief of sorcery, evil and... superstition mm -hmm. that they're out Witchcraft. there causing no good and are just there to harm the good people. Yeah, not an easy life. For, a for gypsy. the gypsies. No, not at all. And the soldiers chime in and they're like, ah, yes, you know, we've seen ravens and screech owls and that must be her too, threatening everyone. So they're all working each other mm -hmm. up, reinforcing. They're, they're frenzy whipping. They're they, whipping one another they, into a frenzy. They completely are. And they all end a big group discussion of this. May the infernal witch be cursed. <laughs> and scene one okay well should we get back to the music well let us listen to a new scene some new characters let's listen to such a love Ditale amor and then i'll fill in who these lovely voices are all right if you've just tuned in you are listening to opera for everyone on 89.1 khol and also available as a podcast on iTunes. So if you want to revisit this at a later date. Or listen to those other operas we were referring to. Exactly. You can find that on iTunes. And just a reminder that on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we are listening to Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verde. And this is one of the scenes from... Scene two of Act One. Scene two of Act One. Thank you, Pat. Ditale Amor. Such a love. Oh, 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 oh,
listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And that was... That was Leonora in Giuseppe Verdi's Il Trovatore. Leonora. She's our beautiful, sweet, innocent, devout, romantic soprano. Typical soprano. Yes. She is beloved by two men. Mm-hmm. The Count. The Count. And the troubadour, Manrico. And we should just say that in this production of Il Trovatore, our lead female, Leonora, is played by Leontine Price. And our lead male, Manrico, the troubadour, who we have not yet met, is played by Franco, He's coming up soon. Franco Corelli. And this was a recording by the Metropolitan Opera in February of 1961, conducted by Fausto Cleva. And we should note that this was an important performance because it was a double debut of both Franco Corelli and Leontine Price. And interestingly, uh, Leontine Price had been invited to make her debut at the Met in the title role of Aida. And she declined because she felt it was important for her to make her debut on the Metropolitan Opera stage as a grand diva, as a lady and not as a slave. So just a little bit of opera trivia for you there. Pat, did you want to talk a little bit about the libretto? Um, yes. Actually, the libretto was written mostly by Salvatore Camerano, mm-hmm. um, very much respected by Verdi, exceptionally well-respected by Verdi, and he had hoped that they would have a long collaboration together. Sadly, Camerano died just before the end of his work on Trovatore. Oh, no. Yeah, so that that was finished up by another fellow whose name I don't actually have. But Camerano is the librettist primarily, and he was also, interestingly, the librettist for Donizetti's Lucia de Lamamor, 1835. I mean, that was some years before, but he's very much respected for his work, considered to be very poetic in his expression, and since we're talking about the libretto, it's good to know that this is based on a play that was written in 1836, so a few years prior, by a Spanish dramatist, a well-respected dramatist, Garcia Gutierrez. And his play, actually, interestingly, when it's translated into English, instead of simply calling it The Troubadour, oftentimes it's called The Gypsy's Vengeance. Oh, dear. So there's just a little foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we get back to the music, we've just heard Leonora talking about how beautiful and lovely and innocent and whatever her life is. Yes, she is a lady-in-waiting to the Queen of Aragon. Ah. So this is the the area where the the, the power struggle Mm -hmm. is being held. So she's beautiful, she's young, she's devout, she's singing here in the song we just heard about this man who she heard, his voice, his serenading, and she fell in love with him. So it's an interesting one of these stories where these two people are deeply in love, not really having met. Kind of like Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't. Does that work with serenading? Too, I don't Kelly? know. Maybe. <laughs> it's probably a good explanation. No, she's she and this lovely song we just heard. She's telling her attendant, her maid, Inez, that this wonderful man had serenaded her, and she's so 
deeply in love with him. Suddenly the silence was broken. I heard the sweet and sound, sad tones of a lute and a troubadour's melancholy verses. Mm. They were pleading in humble verses as if from a man praying to God. And in those verses, a name was repeated. It was my name. Oh. I felt the joy of angels, and the earth seemed to have transformed into heaven. So. He was doing some Googling <laughs> related to who was in charge here. It's, it's fascinating. And Inez is sort of like, sweetheart, get it together. Forget this. This is not a good idea. This is not. A, I, you don't know who this guy is. He's you don't just know where some he's wandering from. singer. Yeah. What and... if he looks like a troll? <laughs> she says, forget him. Trust me. I'm your friend. Just forget him. And well, you can imagine that how well that works. Yeah. on Leonora. Yeah. Yeah. Because that in opera, especially. <laughs> and she says, um, interestingly, in the song that we just listened to, I can't. I can't live without him. I will die for him. Okay, so that's Leonora. We've met uh, Inez, who shows up also later. Um, and the Count is our next character to be introduced. And he is going to tell us right off the bat, he's on fire with passion and love. For the, Leonora. For Leonora, the flames of love burn in my every fiber he's going to tell us and he is not that sort of sweet loving guy he's kind of like i want what i want he's a master of the universe alpha but, male. and he and he lets us know right away that troubadour that terrible troubadour he is my rival he he's nothing compared to me but Oh, everybody loves him because he's so good with his singing. So he's feeling <laughs> like like this man shouldn't have any competition for you. Shouldn't be any competition for him. But he says, but but they love him because he's he's got the power of a king. Maybe the count looks like a troll. Um, well, not in the production I watched. They both were very handsome. Okay. <laughs> no, no trolls there. Okay. So before we get back to the music, Pat, what do we need to know anything else about the Count or about Leonora or? I think we've got what we need right now. Okay. So what's the We next? will learn more, but I think we've got what we need for right now. Um. And what are we going to listen to next? Next, we're going to listen to, so there's, there's this moment when we hear the troubadour's voice and Leonora is going to respond to that with loving, kind words. But the staging is such that the Count will step forward and Leonora will be surprised but not have an opportunity to say anything. And then Manrico, the troubadour, will come in and he will get angry at her because he will think all the kind things she is saying were directed towards the Count. So there's this little bit of confusion where she's expressing her love toward Manrico, but to Monrico, it looks like she's words. expressing her love to the count. Yeah. So he gets a little agita. Yeah. So the three of them and let's this is the final song of the first act, which, by the way, is called The Duel. The acts have names. This is called The Duel, which I'll explain in a moment. Let's listen to my dearest Anima Mia. If you've just tuned in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this is Giuseppe Verde's Il Trovatore. Oh! <laughs> 
Is the end of an act. <laughs> the end of an era. Uh, it is the end of an act, and things have happened. I You heard the voices there. We mm-hmm. had Leonora. Very had, animated. We had the Count, and we also had Manrico, our mm-hmm. troubadour. And we were talking while the music was playing how the quality of the music was very animated and bouncy and dynamic. and Yes, it, and essentially what's going on, it's like recitative, but it's not that dry recitative. Mm -hmm. And I'm not using that pejoratively. That's actually the term for it. Um, But there's all this explanation and discussion going on. And once uh, Leonora has convinced Manrico that she wasn't speaking words of love to the Count, the Count's 
response to this is kind of what you would think when he sees Manrico as a rival. Mm-hmm. His his anger just elevates to dangerous Rage. levels. He says, you know, how dare you come, you follower of Urgel. Um, in other words, the, the, the faction, the other faction in the Civil War. So these two men are on opposite sides. Oh, so not only are they vying for the same woman, they're also... They're on opposite sides of uh, factions vying for power. Exactly, exactly. And the Count looks at him and he says, you will become a victim of my contempt. I must kill you. Mm-hmm. And He's Leon- like, you're going down. Leonora is is beside herself. She's like, heavens, stop. You you can't kill him. You You can't destroy him. Please, don't let your fury fall on him. Let it fall on the guilty woman who has offended you. And the Count is just, you know, brushes her aside. He's like, woman, your words of love have condemned him to death. Like, how dare you love him instead of me? Mm. And for that offense, he must He's gonna die. die. Okay, so now, just so that I know, yes. she's a lady in waiting to the Queen of Aragon. Yes. This guy is a Count who is aligned yes. with... The king of Aragon. Yes. Okay. So they're on the same side, but she doesn't serve him. She's not really political. She's just like friends with the queen, like real good friends with the queen because she helps her do stuff. Yeah. Well, and she's also, if you're you're a lady in waiting to the queen, you're also- Nobility. Of of high rank as well. Yes. Yes. And then the troubadour is just random singer guy. So he's like the equivalent of like the hippie that shows up with a guitar and his like long flowing hair and he's really cute. And then is like, yeah, that, that actually hey works. girl, hey. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the count. But he's, I think he's uh, much smoother and more successful with his hey girls than right. that implication. Right, okay. <laughs> so depending on your version of the like the sexy wandering hippie guitar player guy. Yeah. It could well, be. Well, but he's not just a, a wandering guitar player guy. He is also a soldier. He also. Oh, right. Because troubadours can be noble and blah, blah. Right. Exactly. Okay. So he's also a soldier who. Um... So he's like a Trustafarian hippie guy. <laughs> if you say so. Anyway, I digress. Well, after, after the Count threatens him, Marico's reply is, I will destroy him. I am a mortal who has kindled your love, a love that has made me invulnerable. So these two guys are, you know, mm-hmm. talking tough with each other. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're kind of, They're you know, getting in the ring. They're, they're like <laughs> puffing their chests up. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And in fact, I told you the title of this act. Was is, the duel. And the two of them fight. Really? Like fisticuffs? Uh, swords. Ah. Yeah. So they do. They fight. And in fact, um, I've only seen one staging of this. So I, I, I imagine it can be done differently. The staging I watched, they're sort of fighting and they, you know, disappear out of sight as the fighting is going on. So we don't know what happens. Oh, and then and then the scene ends. Yeah. And now it's time for act two. So the the scene ends. All the people at the opera go out and drink champagne and they don't know. No, it's actually a four act opera. So it's one of those where you have to sit quietly in your seats while they, you know, <sighs> work behind the curtain. Uh, and then you get to see Verdi. <laughs> what a jerk. 
Well, maybe in his day they they took the extra they took a intermissions, break. but I think I think to commonly have some snacks. Now, it's not. It's it's about a two and a half hour opera, so they just typically do. Because you with... could just quietly eat peanut M and M's in your seat, <laughs> sip some, share them with the row, sip some whiskey out of the <laughs> flask that you snuck in. I don't know of such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have just act ended Act One. Mm-hmm. Sit quietly in your seat. <laughs> And now we have Act Two, and Act Two just takes place a couple months after this. So, and we don't know. We don't know. After. Well, Who? hey, if you if you let me, I'll, okay, I'll all right. we'll get there. Be patient. Be patient. We're actually going to open on the mountain mountainous gypsy encampment, Ooh. where they the 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 gypsy folk are all gathered, and they are working doing their trades. And I just want to alert, alert. This is one of opera's great, famous songs. I imagine everyone has heard, possibly not the whole thing, but a piece of this tune will sound familiar to you. Mm. It is it's probably been used to sell cars or something. Well, it's 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 familiar name. It's little nickname is the Anvil Chorus because they are literally working on anvils at a certain point. And you'll hear that when we play the music. But the the formal name or the the name that is given to it because of the the words in the song are see as the dawn approaches. Verdi. No. Vedi. Le fauche notturne. All right. So let's listen to the gypsies working in their mountain encampment. All right, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are listening to Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi.
used, used, sometimes abused. It is the one that gets used. I don't know what you're talking about. It was a trash bag commercial. Well, I don't know. Remember I said it was probably used to sell cars? No, it was used to sell trash bags. But was I right? It's a familiar tune. It is. And did you hear those those guys working with the, the metal tools on yeah. those anvils? Mm-hmm. So fun. So fun. That is that is a good... It's a good work song. It's a good work song. It's um very clever. I mean, it's just fun to listen to. And I like a good choral piece in an opera. A good choral piece is really rousing. It is. Makes it you is. feel good. And it it does the job of setting the scene of these hardworking gypsies in their mountain camp. And we are going to meet Azucena, mm-hmm. the, the gypsy, the daughter of the woman who was burned at the stake. And she is, we're going to get to her, her side of the story. And what is her side of the story, Pat? Well, as you can imagine, it's not going to be like when the captain of the guard told the story. Probably not. Describing the gypsy with all those Haggard. evil adjectives. Mm-hmm. She's going to explain that the flame crackles and the, we're talking about the flame of oh, the, the fire. Yeah, yeah. That's burning her mother and her execution. At the stake. Yeah. And the unrestrained mob runs to the flame, their faces happy and their shouts of joy resounding. The ghastly flame that rises casts a sinister shine on their horrible faces. The flames crackle and the victim arrives, disheveled, barefoot, and dressed in black. A ferocious shriek rises, so so echoing in the hills. Can you imagine... As her no. watching her mother, no. that this is happening to her. That's so you, like massively traumatic. And everyone gathered around her in this encampment. Your song is so sad. I mean, there is an understatement, right? But she says, it is, it is just as sad as the story that inspired to it. And she turns to Manrico, who is standing the by troubadour. her. The troubadour. And she says... Avenge me. And we are let to know at this point that Manrico is her son. She is Manrico's mother. Aha! Yes. So the gypsies now, they've been working and they sell their wares down uh, in the valley to the, to the folk who live there. And they pack up and go. And Manrico will turn to Azucena and say, we are alone. Please tell me that terrible story. So let's listen to her telling Manrico the terrible story. Okay, so this is Azucena telling her son, Manrico, the troubadour, the title character in today's opera, her story of her mother uh, being executed for the death of the Count's brother. And the title of this track is Condotta Elera in Cepi. She was led in irons. And you're listening to Giuseppe Verdi's Il Trovatore on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Thank <laughs> you. 
If you just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and we are listening to Il Trovatore by Verdi. And Pat, would you like to bring us up to speed on what's just happened? Well, that distressed woman is Azucena, the gypsy woman, who is telling her son... Manrico. Who is Manrico, our uh, titular troubadour, and she's explaining to him what happened on that awful night when Azucena's mother was executed by being burned at the stake because of the fears of the people that she had caused the death of the Count's uh, infant son. At any rate, she's she's explaining when she, she was a young woman, she had her own child, a little boy, and she was carrying him in his arms. I followed her, I wept, I, I tried to reach her, and I couldn't really talk to her, but she, she gave me a blessing, and she also said, Avenge me. Avenge me. You mm. must avenge me. And those are the words that, that remain throughout the rest of Azucena's life ringing in her ears. Avenge me. And remember I told you that oftentimes the English title of the play that this is based on. Oh, the gypsy's revenge. The, yes, exactly. And she was beside herself with grief and she's very clear about how how gruesome it is to watch someone... Oh, I can't even imagine. ...being burned at the stake, much less your, your own, own mother. mother. And she says, I managed, after my mother told me to avenge me, avenge her, I managed to cap, kidnap the Count's son. And I took him, and I didn't know what to do, and my head got cloudy, and the child is sobbing, and my heart was being ripped apart watching my mother die, and such a gruesome fashion, fashion, and I remembered what she said, avenge me, and I saw my mother's pale face, barefoot, screaming from the stake, avenge me, and she says, I looked at the Count's son, and at this point, Manrico's looking, and he's horrified, he's like, don't tell me that you killed the boy, and she's like, I threw into the fire. Wow. And I watched him burn. Yikes. Story's not over. Okay. I turned around and the clouds lifted from my eyes somewhat and I looked around and there was the Count's son. Oh, God. Right behind me. Oh, on the no. Ground. She burned her own son. Yeah. And Manrico is the son. Yeah. 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 Just as you're putting it together... Manrico is putting it together. Oh, gosh. 
it's it's horrifying. It's, so okay. So there's a little commentary on the nature of vengeance right there. Mm-hmm. 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 Be careful. It's dangerous business. And so now the count, who's like, you're going down, and Manrico, who's like, no, you're going down. I'm getting the girl. They're brothers. But neither of them. No. Well, Manrico's just about to figure it out. Right. But the count doesn't know. Right. Yes, <clears throat> exactly. In fact, um, he's going to um, sing a song to her, which we're not going to listen to right now, but I Am Not Your Son is the name of the of the song, where he's put it all together. And she's like, but you are my son in every way that matters. And, you know, he's he's just trying to take all this in. Like, I'm not who I thought I was. And she says, but really, you are who you think you are. You are who you've always been. And oh, by the way, she in the beginning of telling the whole story, she says, I would have told you this sooner, but you were out for opportunities. You left home. You became a soldier here with me now. And you need to know this. So she's trying to kind of come clean. and. And she says, haven't I always been a tender mother to you? And he's like, you've been the best mother in the world. You know, they're basically reminding each other, even though there's this horrible, horrible story in their past, that they do love and support each other and that they've both been kind and loving towards each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she reminds him when he's like starting to get worked up again. She says, but remember... You owe it to me, like right now in the present, that you are still alive. I gave you so much care. I nursed you back to health. And we see he's got a terrible wound from a recent battle. And you recall that this act starts a few months before or after the previous oh, act Oh, the duel. The duel. I forgot about the duel. Well, we're going to talk about the duel right now. But he's also been in a battle and there's this wound that the mother is healed. Okay. I don't know if it's from the duel or not. I I didn't think it was, but maybe I'm wrong. At any rate, she says, but the wicked Count de Luna, you should thank him for sparing his life. He should thank you for sparing his life when you fought him. What strange pity for him blinded you? And he says, I can't even explain it to myself, mother. I was, we were fighting in the duel. I had the upper hand. He was at my mercy. I had my sword right positioned to kill him and something stopped me. It's like the power of God. Yeah, said, the invisible hand of don't God. Don't kill him. Because mm-hmm. he's your brother. Because he's putting it together right now that mm-hmm. it was his brother, of course. Um, I, I, he says, a cry came down from heaven commanding me, don't strike him. Don't kill him. All right. Then we have a messenger come in. There's news to be had. Leonora who, remember this awful, awful wound in battle that Manrico has that that the mother says, you know, I, I nursed you back to health. Everybody thinks he's dead it, as it happens, including Leonora. So the messenger comes in and says, Leonora is about to take the veil. In other words, she's about to irrevocably enter a convent and be a nun. Oh. So he gets the news that she's about to do this. And, and he's like, oh, no. Yeah, panic, panic. I've right. got to go. I've got to go let her know I'm alive and save her and keep her from taking this Being irrevocable vow. Right. So he he's goes and, and his mother's, said, Azucena says to him, you can't go. You're still sick. You're still healing from this dreadful wound. And this is a beautiful duet. Let's listen to a little bit of it. Oh, good. You are still sick. In other words, stay here and get better. So this is Azucena and Manrico. Yes. Manrico is the troubadour 
uh, the title character in Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verde on 89.1 KHOL. listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron, and me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we're listening to Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi. And it's a beautiful opera. It's a beautiful opera. And I've got to say, it clips along. Mm-hmm. It's got it's a lot bouncy. to say, and it keeps it moving. And the song we just heard right here is A Count de Luna, what passes for a love song coming from Someone with a dark heart. Someone with a dark heart. 
he is singing of his love and his passion and his desire for Leonora. His desire to control, to and dominate and control her? Possess, yes. Slash because he loves her? Well, that's how he sees it. That's how he rolls. Yeah, it is. That's it what is. love is all about, isn't it? No, no. Um, that's not what Manrico the troubadour would say. No, of course, because he's a sensitive ponytail guy. <laughs> And, well, he did win the fair Leonora's heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Keely, you know what time it is. It's opera helmet quiz. Opera helmet time. That means Keely is going to recap the first half for us and bring us up to speed. Ugh. Well, we are set in Spain in the 1400s, 1409 to yes. be exact. And the title is Il Trovatore, Il Troubadour the wandering singer. And we have Manrico, who is our tenor, who is the troubadour. We have the Count, Il Conte de Luna, who is the, I guess, ruler of the region. And it has just been revealed to us that they are, in fact, blood brothers and that Manrico is the disappeared infant son of the earlier count, who was taken by Azucena, the daughter of the gypsy woman who was burned at the stake for the alleged sorcery that resulted in the death of the earlier count's son. Yes. So, at the time that the previous count died... He left his legacy to the current Count de Luna and said, I have this feeling that your brother is still alive. So, Right. And the reason why everyone suspects that the boy was dead is because there was a skeleton. A child. A child infant. skeleton at the stake where the sorceress gypsy lady was burned at the stake. So Azucena has told her son the story of her mother being burned at the stake and reveals in the telling of that story that Manrico is in fact the Count's son who went missing. And so we ended Act... Well, no, was that Act 1? The end of Act 1 or the Act 2? That was the end of Act 2. Um, we ended that with his uh, discovery that he was, in fact, the brother of his rival for the affections of Leonora, who is a lady-in-waiting to the Queen of Aragon. And she's about to... Take the veil. She's about to take vows of celibacy uh, and enter a convent because she believes that Manrico is dead and she's in love with Manrico. Because troubadour. Manrico and the Count, the Count are not had just a duel. rivals. They had a duel. But they're not just rivals. They're they're soldiers on opposite side of this civil war. Civil war, right. Contest so of powers. It's uh, the, the Aragonese who are in power and the Count de Luna is on the side of the Aragonese and the Urgell are the rival faction vying for power, and Manrico is part of that Yeah, the, and the important part of the duel isn't, well, other than them having it, because they're vying for... Uh, the affections of Leonora. Right, or who's going to live to see that out. Mm -hmm. but, but the important part of that is, is that Manrico had the upper hand, and he had the opportunity to kill the Count... And something stopped him. Mm -hmm. Like the, it was essentially the hand of God right. stopped him from killing this man. And he let him go. And by the way, when he tells his mother this story, mm -hmm. the gypsy woman who saw her mother burned at the stake, she's like, no, son, I don't care 
what your bloodline is. If you get another chance to kill this evil, evil man, Mm -hmm. you do it. And guess what? He promises her that he will. So I just added a little extra piece of knowledge in the okay. opera quiz. So shall we return to the story? Yes. So we're coming to act three now, and then this is a four-act piece. Um, sorry to say we are not. Act two is a little bit longer, so you're going to have to wait for your intermission treat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the intermission doesn't always line up with our mid-hour break. Or right. Mid- yeah. We pretend. So, But we do have a new scene here, and it's outside this area where there's a castle and the convent. It's a castle is a bit of the area that's contested by these factions in the in the war. And this convent is here, the convent where Leonora is about to take her vows because not only did Manrico hear that she was about to take these vows of celibacy. The count did too. The count did too. And he shows up to abduct her. To prevent this from happening. Mm-hmm. Because that... if you love someone, you should kidnap them. <laughs> well, he's like, are you kidding? Manrico is dead because both she and the Count believe Manrico to be dead. And he's like, well, I've gotten rid of my rival. I'm not going to lose her this way. That's absurd. To the nunnery, that's, that's bogus. That doesn't make any sense. So we, what we opened with the song was him singing about his love, his passion, his desire to possess her the splendor of her beautiful face is the mm-hmm. english translation for that song and he hears the church bells and and he's starting to get nervous oh i don't want to miss my opportunity to kidnap her abduct her and and he speaks of her in such different terms a fire runs through my body and and things like this and talking about taking her and um has he got his men at the ready ready to to help make this happen. Mm -hmm. Let's listen a little bit as he hears the church bell and he gets a little more concerned that he's got to hurry to make this happen so that he can possess her. Let's go ahead and listen to, it's either translated the bell or that sound. Mm -hmm. Qual sono? Yes, there we go. Let's listen to this. And this is the Count singing. Primarily. Also the male chorus, which are very good. Sorry, Everybody loves a good chorus. I do. All right, if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this is Qual Suono in Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi. Qual Suono Ocei Yeah. <laughs> 
that you like that was that was pretty fun to listen to wasn't it it's so bouncy <laughs> it is so bouncy and yet they're planning abduction in this little bouncy number here <laughs> that's right yeah they're <sighs> they're completely planning abduction and you know the count is very explicit that he is uh, understanding that he's basically stealing her from God because she's going to devote her life to God. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm not going to put up with that. Not even God can steal you away from me. So this is part of what I'm talking about when I'm saying he's a very evil man. It is creepy. That I mean, he's there's... taking this attitude about his yeah, relationship. It's so, him versus God. Yeah. I mean, there's And little... she's a piece of property. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So the next thing that comes is we get he, they they would you know move scene and we've got the nuns and we've got Leonora and they are comforting her encouraging her and Inez is also comforting her but Inez is wanting comfort as well because Inez is not going into the convent and Inez has been her companion for a long time so she's sad about this departure but she but yeah. she understands Inez is like it. what am I going to do get a job at Starbucks now. <laughs> really act like she's that worried about her employment but but that maybe that's part of it well um, why doesn't Inez just become a nun be... don't complicate the storyline Keely don't complicate the storyline I, I think I think we're meant to understand that Leonora is an exceptionally devout woman and you don't enter the convent light just because your buddy does. Yeah. It's, right. it's a calling. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, hey, I'm going to go play basketball at the rec yeah. center. Yeah. No. Inez, do you want to come? Sure. <laughs> right. Not quite the same. Not the same with going into a convent. But then Lenore, Leonora, of course, is she's really focused on her sadness at Manrico's death. And she's there's no longer hope for me on earth. I'm looking for comfort and consolation with God. I need to devote myself to him because that's the only good thing left I see. And I need to mm -hmm. to to pull together and focus in mm -hmm. on that. And we're I'm gonna just skip us along here as we've had sort of waiting in the shadows to pounce are the count and his men, Leonora. His henchmen. Leonora is getting ready. Yes. Leonora is getting ready to devote uh, herself to God, devote herself to God in a solemn, irrevocable way. And meanwhile, like who is Manrico is like. So there's this point here in this final scene, in this final moments 
Before um, I get to go have my champagne. Before you get your intermission. And it's, it's phenomenal because the nuns are there. Leonore's there going through all she's going through. The Count's men are coming into Pounce and... Manrico's coming Manrico to save the day. and all his guys scale up the wall and drop in and they foil the Count's efforts to abduct Leonora. This so, is so exciting. It is so exciting. And Manrico yells, God confounds the wicked and God helped me. So they're invoking, he's invoking God as... Right. So even though both these guys intend to keep Leonora from entering the convent. One wants to do it by force and one wants to do it right. for love. And she has already told us she's only entering the convent. Because Manrico's dead. Because he's dead. And, that and she's bereft. She's completely bereft. And so there is a moment here in all this scuffling when Manrico's men surround the count and Manrico has the opportunity to once again with, with the sword at his throat to kill him. And he doesn't? And he can't do it. What? Yeah. So anyway, let's listen to this. Okay. This last number in um, in the act. In, in act two. Yes. Pre-bubbles. Edejo y pozo oredelo. Do I dare believe it? That's Leonora. Leonora. Saying, oh, look, Manrico's alive. Oh, 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 oh,
just tuning in you're listening to 89.1 khol and this is opera for everyone i'm keely heron i'm pat wright and i am pretending that i am now on my way to drink a glass of champagne during intermission because it's the end of act two of verdi's il trovatore yeah but boom 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 time to get back to your seats we've got act three to start (laughs) (laughs) so so the the end of act two is victory and happiness and a lot of stuff going on and leonora's like what Mm, he's alive menrico's alive and menrico's like you know count i could kill you but i'm not going to and then what well the act ends and they go off in joy and happiness and Deluna's there, as it describes in my libretto, in a maniacal frenzy of frustration, defeated passion, and disgrace. Maniacal frenzy of what? A maniacal frenzy of frustration, defeated passion, and disgrace. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty bad for him. He's in a bad way. Well, you know, if you kick him but don't kill him, they might come back to cause trouble. Mm -hmm. All right, so... We're beginning. We've intermission's over. Mm-hmm. Get back in your seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is Act Three. The Gypsy Woman's Son is the name of this particular piece. And we're going to open on the conglomeration of the soldiers supporting Aragon. So Deluna's faction mm-hmm. is there. And they're playing dice. And it's actually a fabulous choral song. Let's just hear a little bit of the opening song from Act Three.
Gotta love a male chorus. Dun, 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 dun. Well, they're they're pumping themselves up because they're getting ready to attack, attack this area that's held by Marico and the his gypsy men. encampment. And they're feeling they're pumped up. They know that we're there. You know, we're going to be great. We're going to get in there, and mm-hmm. our swords are. Clean. We're going to give her. Our swords are clean now. We're loaded for bear. They'll be bathed in blood. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. And the voice we just heard coming in was Ferrando. He says, yes, brave friends, our captain is planning to attack their fort from every side. And the count comes in and the count is not like these guys who are totally focused on the battle. He just wants Leonora. His first words are, she is in the arms of my rival. He's creepy. The thought pursues me like a persecuting demon. But at the break of dawn, I will separate Ugh. you. Ugh. He's so creepy. He's pretty creepy. He's pretty creepy. Ferrando comes in. He's like, Captain, I've got some news for you. A gypsy woman was wandering near the camp. <gasps> and they've captured her. <gasps> well, you know what gypsy woman it is, of course. Azucena. Of course, it's Azucena. Because she is going to take matters into her own hand because she's like, that man, Rico, I can't trust him to do anything. I've got to go kill the Count myself. Well, she's gone to find him because she's his mother and she's concerned about him. Remember, he's still got this wound that he should have died from, but she prevented that from happening. And she's gone to find him because she wasn't too crazy about the idea of him running off to... The convent. Leonora, but he was not to be stopped. So she's she's there and she's trying to explain I wasn't doing anything wrong. And they're like, but you're wandering around looking suspicious because you're a gypsy. And I I love this part where she says it's not unusual for a gypsy woman to roam about without planning her travels. The world is her home and the roof is her sky. So they try to ask more about her, and ultimately, the Count realizes exactly which gypsy woman he puts the pieces together. She is, and he realizes that she is the daughter of yes. the woman who killed his brother. Yeah, he they, he absolutely because she references locations, and he puts the pieces together, and the Count sort of checking as he suspects this. Do you know of a child, the son of the Counts, who was kidnapped from the castle 15 years ago and brought here? And she's like... She gets kind of squirrely. She gets kind of squirrely. And the Count looks at her and says, I am the brother of that kidnapped boy. And they're all like, are you kidding me? You know, the the man, Ferrando, is like, hmm, we didn't know about all of this because... He's believing, based on what his father told him, that the boy was kidnapped, whereas most people just assume he had been murdered right. in the pyre. So he says, you are the wicked gypsy who committed that horrible, horrible deed. And they keep going. And she says, I just came to find my son. I just came to find my son. There is enough that she says that suddenly the count yells, She's Manrico's mother. So now he's really put the now pieces he's together. Up. So his rival is not only in the arms of his beloved, or his, at least his, mm-hmm. the object of his affections. The mother of his rival is the one who caused all that trouble 
for his family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just, and she's standing right in front of him. And she's, yeah, in chains. Right. She's standing right in front of him. And Azucena sings this amazing song, which we're going to listen to. Barbarians, loosen these chains. This cruel torture is a prolonged death. You are worse than your wicked father, she tells the Count. Beware. The god of wretched people, like me, will punish you. Mm. Let's listen to that one. All right. So if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And we are going to listen to a song from Act 3 of Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verde. And this is my mangled Italian version. De Rayente o Barbari. Barbarians, loosen those chains on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. So that was De Ralentate o Barbari. Yes, that was Azucena and the soldiers singing there. She's, you know, you're a foul barbarians, let me go. And the Count is like sort of sensing his retribution here, sensing his own victory. He says, foul gypsy, that traitor is of your brood? By torturing you, I will wound his heart. So, so he's got he's got leverage now, mm-hmm. and Ferrando and the soldiers just pile on. You wretch, you soon will see a pyre rise. Well, they couldn't say anything worse to her, right? This is the woman who right who watched her. her mother get burned at the stake. Now they're going to burn her at the stake, right? Great, and they're taunting her, and they say, "For you, they are the flames of hell." Your soul must also burn and suffer. I mean, they're just nasty. Mm-hmm. They're digging it in. And it's really this old woman bound in chains that they're all so gleefully taunting and giving a miserable time to. End of that scene mm-hmm. in Act 3. And we move to the area where Leonora, Manrico, and all their group are encamped. 
And Leonora is really focusing on her love and her reunion with Manrico. But then she hears the sounds of battle in the background, and it kind of brings her to. She's like, oh, that's the sound of war and fighting that I heard. And she's getting nervous. And Manrico's like, we will be victorious, my dear. It's going to be fine. And Leonora's not sure. But then we have Manrico reassuring her and he sings a beautiful love song to her, which for those people who go ahead and listen to the full opera, you get that. I'm so sorry. We're leaving behind a lot of good music here. That Verdi could write good music. <laughs> but, we're but we gonna, only have two hours. So we're we gonna... only have two hours and we're trying to get through the whole story. Manrico and Leonora are reaffirming their love for one another beautifully and Ruiz, one of the lieutenants of uh, Manrico, runs in and he says, the barbarians have lit the pyre. <gasps> and Manrico, a cloud is covering my eyes. And it becomes clear that Leonora doesn't know at this point that Manrico is Azucena's son. She learns it at this point. And Manrico, of course, because he's a brave soldier and a dutiful son, I have to go save my mother. I have to go. I have to help her. And he says, the horrid flames of that pyre have burned and inflamed the fires of my being. Extinguish that fire, wicked ones, or I will do it with your blood. He says, unhappy mother, I'm coming to save you. And he turns to Leonora, who's like, don't go, don't go. It's too dangerous. He says, Leonora, I was her son before I was in love with you. I must. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, he, he loves her, but... He's got to save his mom. He's got to go save his mom. And the soldiers are all pumped up. We're ready to fight. We're going to fight with you. We're going to die with you. And he rushes off. And that's the end of Act and Three. And scene. Yeah. Or and act. <laughs> and I think we're ready to begin Act Four. You want to know the title of Act Four? Yes. It's called the torture or the punishment. Mm. Yeah, it's not quite as... A bit unpleasant. It's a bit unpleasant. We open with Ruiz, the lieutenant of Manrico and Leonora, showing up at the headquarters of the opposing forces. And Leonora essentially sends him off and he goes. And she sings of her desperate love for Manrico and how she's going to go in and see if she can help this situation because she knows in her heart she has a certain leverage over With the, the count. evil count. So let's hear a little bit of Leonora singing of her love for Manrico. Not to the count. Nope, just to us, to herself. To herself. And part of what she says here, and this is not sort of the happy bouncy love song because this is a, a love song of desperation because Where she Where she might lose him. She knows that, that he's going into this battle enemy camp mm -hmm. trying to rescue his mother and he's probably going to be captured and executed. And so it hers is he must never know how much I am suffering because I love him so and because he's in danger. He's got enough on his plate, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so she's going to sing a song called The Amor Sulali Rosé, which they translate as On the Promising Wings of Love. Oh, 
If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we're listening to Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi. And we've just heard Leonora, one of our lead characters, the soprano in this opera, singing about her love for Manrico, the Trudor, who has gone to save his mother from certain death at the hands of his rival, the Count di Luna. Did I get that right, Pat? Of course you got that right. Yes! <laughs> and sure enough, um, just as suspected, he is captured. Bummer. Uh, and the co- the Count comes in all swaggery. He's like, listen, man, as dawn breaks, take the son to the block and take the mother to the stake. You. He's a nasty piece of work, Ugh. Count. Ugh. Yeah, and then he then he kind of thinks for a second. Well, perhaps I'm abusing the power that the Count gave me, or that the Prince gave me. But fatal woman, he says, referring to Leonora. Look what you did to me. Look what you, it's all her fault, right? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> he says. You know, after we moved in here and she disappeared with him, I had no word from her. And, she, and then he turns and he looks around. And he says, where are you, cruel one? So you see his twisted mind at work here, mm-hmm. right? It's all her fault. She's the one who's cruel. Mm-hmm. And um, right when he says, where are you, cruel one? She he appears. Hears her. <gasps> she appears. She appears. She's got some cojones, that one. She does. Well, she's remember, just walking she's into just the been lamenting yeah, true. and trying to figure out what can she do mm-hmm. to help right. her beloved Manrico. And she was ready to com- commit herself to the convent. So now that she knows Manrico's alive, there's a reason for her to... To be alive. And she's got work to do here. And he's kind of can't believe that she's shown up of her own free will and asks, why are you here? And she goes to him and he says, his last hour is approaching. How, how can you ask me why I am here? I'm asking you for mercy. May a merciful God inspire you. And the Count looks at her and just says, you're delusional. Right. You are completely... You're trying to tap into morals that aren't here. <laughs> they don't exist. You can't get water from a stone. Exactly. And and then he follows it up with, again, here's a little bit of this sacrilege that he in, enjoys. Revenge is my only God. That's what he tells her. That's sad. And she is just falling apart. I ask for mercy. I ask for mercy. And she sings to him, I'm shedding a river of bitter tears. It's It's just heartbreaking. In fact, I think we should listen to I'm shedding a river of bitter tears, and we'll get some of the other folks in right. on it. It's a it's a I, fabulous I wanna get, song. I want to get my hands on the Italian translation of that. Mira, di acerbe lagrime. There we go. That's not too bad. Lagrime, bitter tears. Yeah, and she's going to make some uh, progress with this uh, effort, not by appealing to his mercy, because what is she actually going to appeal to? His vanity. His lust. Yes. So what is she going to offer him? Uh, a piece of her? All of her. You. Ew. All right. <laughs> there we go. You're listening to Hopper for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And this is our uh, lead female, uh, Leonora in Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verde, pleading 
for mercy at the hands of Count de Luna. And if she can't get mercy, she's going to make a deal. She she didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. So did she appeal to his sense of lust? Oh, she totally appeals to his sense of lust. She makes this deal with him, and he can't quite believe she's making it. And um, he's, because he's sort of saying, the more you beg for mercy, the more resolved I am to kill him, Mm -hmm. because you love him. And she says, I'll tell you what, I'll give myself to you fully and completely. If you you spare his life. You just spare his life. And... He becomes convinced that she that means it. She means it, and he um, and he agrees to it. Um, at a moment, the guard comes in, and Leonora sneaks from her pocket a vial of poison. Oh, and drinks it. <gasps> so we don't have Tosca here, right? The one who killed kills the guy she makes the deal with, with the fruit knife, uh-huh. with the we, cheese from the cheese plate. <laughs> We we have Leonora, who's like, buddy, you know, you're going to have my cold, dead body. That's all you're going to have. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she does this. And um, just FYI, it is slow acting poison. Right. So there's no like necrophilia overtones. Okay, I wasn't actually going there. What I have to say is that Leonora is going to be singing quite a bit more. in I see. Okay. But with this poison in her body. She is um, she is beside herself with joy because she feels like she has saved her beloved. The Count is quite happy that he is going to possess this object of his desire. And uh, we are going to leave at this point and go to the prison cell. 
next to scene. liberate the prisoners. Well, no, we're going to actually peek in on. We're oh, gonna I see, see okay. the scene with the mother and the son, Azucheno and Manrico, and Manrico's basically trying to uh, comfort his mother. Mm-hmm. Mother, aren't you sleeping? And she's like, every time I try to fall asleep, or every time I think of anything, all I can see is the horrors of the of the pyre. Of the pyre. And my mother's fate becoming my own fate. Mm. And just the gruesome horror of it all. And it's it's tearing up Manrico. And he's like, Mom, just try to relax. Just, you know, he's just trying to comfort her. He's not necessarily doing anything uh, successful other than being there with her. Sure. But of course, being there with her means he's also at the mercy of of the enemies. Um, and he's, he's just so sad about the whole bit. And finally she says, yes, son, I'm, I am so weary. And she sings a song about, we will return to our Hills. We will enjoy peace in the past. You will sing with your lute. And maybe then I can sleep peacefully. Mm -hmm. It's heartbreaking. It's touching. It's tender. It's an acceptance of their fate. Yes. Let's listen to just a little bit of that. Um, Yes, my son, weariness oppresses me, and to our hills. Si la stanchezza m'opprime o filio. From Giuseppe Verde's Il Trovatore on Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. So that was the mother and son. Yeah, trying, trying to, to console each other in their hour of. And he finally does manage to get her to give in to her exhaustion and she falls asleep. She falls asleep and guess who's at the door? Leonora. Leonora. <gasps> and she's coming because she's so excited to tell him that he's going to be reprieved. Now he knows his adversary and he's like, what could possibly have caused the Count to reprieve me. Mm -hmm. Why is he showing me mercy? Mm -hmm. And he realizes what she must have done. Mm -hmm. And it's just heartbreaking. Right. It is heartbreaking. And we are going to listen to this infamous woman has sold her love. Is he mad? He's furious at her. <gasps> He's furious. He's like, you're going to sell your body to this 
awful person for me? I'm a soldier. I'm ready to die. Oh. We can't let him defile you. No, he's he's really upset. And finally, she's going to say to him, it's time to pray to God for me, not time to curse me. And, and she like, doesn't, okay. Because he doesn't realize she's the poison, taken the poison, mm-hmm. and she's not going to be defiled by him because she's going to be dead by the time right. any of this comes to pass. And, and, and through this period, through this piece, this will all become Known. unveiled. And, and it's not a terribly long piece, but it's, uh, it's powerful. Let's listen to it. Okay, so this is A Questinfame L'Amor Venduto. That's powerful. So what happened? <laughs> what I just, that, that is what I already talked through. Okay, so uh, don't worry. He's not going to have me. You're, you, you have my heart forever. I took poison. I'm going to die. Yes, and he's, he's like, now he's like. Getting the full picture. Talking about emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. From thinking she's, in essence, betrayed him and betrayed herself to. Save oh, his life. She has made herself a sacrifice mm-hmm. 
for me and there's nothing I can do about it. Absolutely nothing I can do about it. She tells him, rather than live as another man's woman, I wanted to die as yours. And he criticizes himself. He says, I was a madman and I dared to curse this angel. And um, she's, you know, collapsed on the ground. The The poison is is finally doing its job. It's, its job. And she's going to die just a moment after the count reappears. And so it's the end of the opera and it's all happening. Leonora's laying dead on the floor. The count comes in and points to Manrico and says, men, take him to the block. And Manrico is, mother, farewell forever. forever. And Azucena, where is my son? Where is my son? And the count has just ordered him executed and he dies. And Azucena reels and she turns toward the count and she says, you just murdered your brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he can't believe it. He cannot believe it. And that's where we end. The end. The end. Let's listen to that. <laughs> Unless you want to talk about it. No, a bit. I just, yeah. I mean, typical opera. Everybody it, dies except for the bad guy. Right. And, and the revenge, the issue of revenge is so critical in this opera. If you think about it. If, the gypsy's revenge. If, if if she had not been as bent, I mean, she was a traumatized woman, no mm -hmm. doubt. But her insistence on revenge seems to have been... Blinded. Yeah. It blinded like her. Like right from the start, the fact that she thrown, threw her own child into the right. fire trying to live out her mother's um, will. Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, so yes... So she sees, I mean, she's almost gleeful that you killed your own brother, but P.S., you just killed my son. Mm -hmm. And she's up next for execution. That does not happen in the opera, but we, we're pretty sure it's going to. Everybody's dead except for the bad guy. It's a rough go. Yeah, one, one guy standing. One okay, knee. well, you've listened to another episode of Opera for Everyone <laughs> on 89.1 KHOL, and this is the final aria. In Il Trovatore by Giuseppe Verdi. Oh, 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 oh,
Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera Opera for for everyone. everyone.